Psalms chapter number 61. I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1. The Word of God says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me, and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. Let's read verse 2 once more. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for your precious word. Lord, thank you for meeting with us this morning and speaking to hearts. Now help us tonight to approach this evening service with the same attitude and the same spirit, with the same earnest expectation as we did the morning service. Lord, we know that you still desire to meet with us and accomplish great things in our hearts. So we ask that you do that now, Lord, in a way that bring you glory. Speak to each heart that which would draw us closer to Thee. Lord, we love You tonight. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'm very interested in one word in verse number 2. And you probably picked up on it. When I read verse number 2, there is a word that sticks out to me. And it's the word overwhelmed. You'd be amazed how many phrases that we use today that come from your King James Bible. Phrases that would not be in our language today were it not for the King James Bible. One of those words is the word overwhelm. The word literally means to be covered over your head. It has with it the idea of a drowning person. And so I've always been fascinated with the 61st Psalm because I don't know about you, but there's times in my life that I feel overwhelmed. When I hear what David says in the 61st Psalm, I mean, I know exactly what David's talking about because I've been there and I've felt that way before. In fact, I'd venture to say that there's probably not a person in this room that at one time or another has not felt overwhelmed. Even my little boy, sometimes he'll be playing or he'll be trying to do something. And you know how little kids are. I mean, they just they want to do everything at one time. And uh, sometimes we don't change much. Even when we, we become adults, we still want to do everything at one time. And he'll, have, he'll be trying to carry things and move things. And then all of a sudden, he'll realize he ran out of hands. Amen. I mean, he's got something in each hand. And sometimes in frustration, he'll cry out. You say, what is that? That's a little baby expressing what it's like to be overwhelmed. I mean, from the youngest even to the oldest, every one of us knows what it's like to feel like we're in over our head. And as I read this passage, there's a few thoughts that I want to give you tonight that I hope will help you because you're going to have times when you feel overwhelmed. You might feel overwhelmed tonight or you might feel like you've got a pretty good handle on things. If you feel overwhelmed tonight, can I give you encouragement in saying that you don't have to drown? And if you don't feel overwhelmed tonight, can I give you a warning in saying you're going to feel that way probably before too long anyway? So tonight I want us to look at a few things that... There's some thoughts that came to my mind just by way of introduction. I want to give these to you real quick. You know, David is writing this. David is a king. David is a man after God's own heart. David is a man that God used mightily. He's not a perfect man. The Bible never tries to portray him as a perfect man. There's only one person in the Word of God that the Bible ever tries to portray as a perfect man. He was the perfect man. 
Everybody else has problems and faults and failures and warts and scars and mistakes on their life. I know everybody likes to talk about Daniel and Joseph, and I'm aware the Bible doesn't reveal anything just overwhelmingly wicked about Daniel and Joseph's life. But, I mean, listen, if you want to put the magnifying glass on them, you'll find some things to pick out and to point out. Uh, if you read, and, I, and listen, this ain't my message, but I, I just want to say it. If you read commentators that talk about the, the episode of the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel, they always say, well, Daniel must have been out of the kingdom on official business because we know that he wouldn't have bowed before the idol. Well, I don't know that. The Bible never tells us that Daniel was out of the country, out of the empire at that time. Could it be that even Daniel himself, the one that commentators like to, to tote as being so perfect and so spotless, it could have been that Daniel even bowed a knee before that idol. We don't know what might have happened. And so David was a man just like Daniel, just like Joseph, but also just like Jacob, just like Isaac, just like Abraham, just like Moses. David was a human being. When I think about the fact that the king of Israel, I mean, this is a man that had everything at the tip of his fingers, uh, gets a feeling of being overwhelmed, it tells me a few things about the nature of being overwhelmed. I'd say to you, first off, that it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to get overwhelmed. In fact, you'd be amazed how easy it is to get overwhelmed. Now, remember, this this word has to do with the idea of of drowning. Can I share a few things? I'll sprinkle these in as we go through an introduction. Did you know that that, uh, riptide drowning... Now, you know what that is, a riptide. Most of you have been to the beach. You know when the the tide comes in, when the waves come in, it pulls a person under. Did you know that 80% of riptide drownings happen to men? Did you ever know that? I mean, boy, that's scary. That's why I don't even go to the beach. Eighty percent happened to men. Isn't that interesting? Could it be, men, that sometimes we'll swim out a little farther than the ladies or the children will because we think we've got everything handled? Could it be that sometimes we think a little more highly of ourselves than we ought to? You'd be amazed how easy it is to drown. Uh, Not only is it an easy thing to get overwhelmed, but I'd say it's a common thing to get overwhelmed. I mean, if a king can get overwhelmed, surely you and I can get overwhelmed. I mean, if a man that had spent his life, I mean, from, from the shepherd's field to the palace of the nation of Israel, if he can get overwhelmed, then it must be a pretty common experience to get overwhelmed. And in fact, something you'll find is you can't swim without getting overwhelmed. It's a natural thing to get overwhelmed. You watch anyone say, now remember what being overwhelmed is. That's when you get fully whelmed, when the water goes over your head. Watch the Olympic swimmers sometime, uh, when the Olympics roll around. Watch them as they do the, the over, uh, the, the backstroke, like I guess that's what they call it. I ain't no swimmer. I mean, you can tell I me. Mean, I know i got a swimmer's body. i got a floater's body. <laughs> but uh, when you watch them, being overwhelmed is a natural part of swimming. In fact, if you're going to be in the water uh, where your feet don't touch, you've only got two options. You can, either, uh, you can either tread water and stay where you're at, or you can swim and get overwhelmed time and time again. See, that's a part of it. You know that the problem is not that we get overwhelmed, it's that we stay overwhelmed. It's a natural thing to get overwhelmed. If you're going to move forward in the water, you're going to get overwhelmed. It's going to happen. You might as well settle it in your mind right now that if you're going to live for the Lord, if you're going to do things for God, there's going to be times you feel totally overwhelmed. Times when when the water rises above your head, when you think there's no way. And you know, the worst thing you can do sometimes is take a breath when you're overwhelmed. 
And sometimes in the midst of it, we stop, we slow down. We think that's what we need to do when we get overwhelmed, that we need to stop, we need to slow down, we need to take a breath. That's the worst thing you can do when you get overwhelmed. He said, what do you do? You keep swimming. You keep swimming. I'd say it's a common thing to get overwhelmed. I'd say it's a natural thing, but I'd say it's a dangerous thing to get overwhelmed too, if you stay that way. Let me me read a few more of these statistics to you. Did you know that on average, between 2005 and 2009, I want you to listen to this, 3,533 people drowned annually. Not, not over that four year, but annually, as an average, 3,533 people died. And, it, and that's not even related to boating accidents. That's merely in natural bodies of water because of the riptide, because they went out too far, because they couldn't keep a handle on things. 3,533 people lost their lives. I'd say it's pretty dangerous to get overwhelmed, wouldn't you? Did you know that drowning is the fifth leading cause of death? The fifth. Isn't that astounding? The fifth leading cause of death. Did you know that 80% of all beach rescues are from riptides? In other words, not just somebody getting stung by a jellyfish and going up, but I mean 80% of all beach rescues are because somebody went out farther than they should have gone and got in over their head. And did you know that 100 people die annually from riptides? Annually, on average, 100 people die every... It's a dangerous thing. Can I, can I just, I, I know this ain't like this morning, I'm not doing any backflips, but, but I want to help you tonight. Can I help you tonight? You, you know, and, and me and my sweet wife were talking about this. Let me tell you something, she's a wealth of, the, uh, of, of theological information. She knows more Bible than I do, I promise you. Who do you think writes these sermon outline? <laughs> we were talking about it. And, and she pointed out, as only a tender woman's heart could, she said, you know the, you know the great danger of getting overwhelmed? is that when you see someone drowning, you think they're swimming. If they don't call out for help, the people watching them, they can't tell whether they're drowning or whether they're swimming. You know one of the great dangers in the Christian walk when we start to get overwhelmed is that from the outside it looks like we're swimming pretty good. It looks like we're doing okay. From the outside, people watch us, they see us, and they can tell that we're kicking, they can tell that we're flailing, but really they think we're doing all right. We're making it pretty well. The only way to get help is to cry out for help. You know, sometimes we're a little too prideful to do that. We'd rather drown with people thinking that we're swimming than get help with people knowing we're drowning. That's a dangerous place that pride can take us to. We ought never be too prideful to say we need some help. We ought never be too prideful to admit that things are getting a little tough. We ought never... You know, that's what happens to a lot of marriages. Neither one of them wants to go to anyone for help. Can I tell you something? The vast majority of counseling that I do as a pastor is is premarital counseling. Very little marital counseling do I do as a pastor. And in fact, most pastors would tell you that very thing. Most people don't ever want to go and ask for help. You know why? They're embarrassed. They're embarrassed. They hate to admit it. They don't want to admit that there's a problem, that they need some encouragement, that they need some help. It's a dangerous thing to act like you're swimming when you're really drowning. So I see it's a dangerous thing to get overwhelmed. In our text, David gives us a few things. I I want to share them with you now. Look at verse number 1 and verse number 2. I want you to notice first off the psalmist's faint-heartedness. You know, that's what really happens when a person gets overwhelmed. They literally die from fatigue. They get so tired that they just go under 
and drown. Very rarely is it, is it merely that they get disoriented. Usually it's that they get so tired that they give up. And listen to what David says. He says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. I want you to notice, first off, David's outward trouble. I don't know what was going on in David's life. Sometimes the Psalms will give us little things in the, I guess it's a, a I don't know, is it a postscript or a superscript or I don't know what it is. But uh, they'll give us in, in the title a little bit of a description, but we really don't have much concerning this. I don't know if David was in a cave. I don't know if David was in the palace. But evidently, from the language that David uses, it sounds like a man that's not home. It could have been that it was during the time when he was run away from the kingdom by his son Absalom. It could have been before he ever ascended the throne and he was hiding in the caves. It could have been when he was in exile amongst the Philistines. But wherever David's at, it's pretty evident that he doesn't feel like he's at home because he says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. I don't know what was going on in his life, but can I say that I know that something was going on in his life? You know, that's the truth with all of us. Day after day is really just an experience of trouble and trial. We have bright spots. We have great things that happen. Now, I'm not trying to pour mouth about life. I mean, listen, God's blessed me more than you could ever imagine. But just the reality uh, is that man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And as you live in this life, you're going to experience heartache after heartache. You're going to have trouble the same way that David has trouble. You know, there's times we, not, we may not be run out of things, or run out of our home, run out of our loved ones, but sometimes we feel like we are. Sometimes even when they've not done anything to cause it, you can sit in a, in a, in a packed room and feel all alone. And David's experiencing something akin to this. He says, I feel like I'm at the end of the earth. I feel like I'm at the very outskirts. I feel like I'm in a barren place where there's no one that knows, where there's no one that understands, where there's no one that can help me. I'm at the end of the earth. But you notice it's not his experiences or circumstances that he says is overwhelmed. Look at the next phrase. We see his outward trouble, but I want you to notice his inward turmoil. Look at the next phrase that's given. He says, when my heart is overwhelmed. Now, that's interesting to me. He doesn't say when my life is overwhelmed. He doesn't say when my home is overwhelmed. He doesn't say when my body is overwhelmed. He doesn't say when my circumstances are overwhelming. But instead, David speaks not only about an outward problem, an outward trouble, an outward discouragement, but he says that inwardly, my heart feels like it's drowning. It's beginning to feel heavy, and there's an inward turmoil that's taking place. Can I say this? What goes on on the inside of you can bury you a lot quicker than what goes on on the outside of you. I mean, in your spiritual walk, what goes on on the inside can bury you a lot quicker than what goes on on the outside. You remember what Paul talked about? He said, that, he said we're cast down but not forsaken. He said we're, that, that we're, he talked about how they were not in despair. They were, they were persecuted but not in despair. I mean, Paul said our circumstances were the worst, but God gave us strength and help. And he renewed the inward man day by day. And let me tell you something. You can deal with what's going on on the outside. But if you let, if you let it get on the inside, that's when, you're, that's when you're having problems. David spoke of his heart being overwhelmed. He said, within me there is a turmoil taking place. You know that all of us do have a turmoil taking place within us. Uh, we have the, the old man and the new man. We have the natural man and the spiritual man. 
And you know that nothing is, nothing's more overwhelming. It, it's bad enough that we have to battle the old man. But when we start to let him win, we also got to, we not only got to battle him, but we got to battle the guilt that we suffer and experience because we're letting him win. That's when things begin to grow heavy. David says, in my heart of hearts, I feel as though I'm getting ready to drown. He says, I'm faint-hearted. I, I feel like I can't keep going. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you felt like you just couldn't keep going sometimes? How many of you, there's been times in your life when everything was going right, but everything felt wrong? We kind of always imagine that our outward circumstances are going to be a reflection of our inward attitude, but you know that's not always the case. In fact, for the believer, there's many times that though our outward circumstances may be at their very lowest, our inward spirits and attitude can be at its very highest and vice versa. Though everything around us uh, may seem uh, to, to be going well, sometimes on the inside there's a hurt that nobody can see. Remember what I said a second ago? When they're drowning, it looks like they're swimming. That's what David's talking about. He says, on the outside things are bad, but I can deal with them being bad on the outside. But he said, it's my heart that's getting overwhelmed. It's my heart that can't bear up under the pressure. We see his faint-heartedness, but I want you to notice the second thing. How does he address this? We see the psalmist's faint-heartedness, but I want you to notice the psalmist's focus. What does he do in response to this? Now, we've already established we're all going to feel this way at some point in the future. We've all felt this way at some time in the past, and there's probably a lot of us that feel this way in the very present. How do we respond What do we do? Well, just like a drowning man, the psalmist begins to look for a rock and a place of stability. Again, the word picture that's presented to us is of a man whom the waves are overcoming, whom the circumstances are whelming over their head, and he looks for an anchor point for his life. Let me tell you something. Until you get anchored somewhere, you're you're going to be tossed everywhere that a wave comes along and throws you to. Unless you get an anchor point, some place of stability within your life that does not change. And let me, just, let me just go ahead and give you the answer. I know that's kind of cheating, but can I give you the answer? That anchor point is Christ. He, he's the unchangeable one. What does he say? He says that when my heart is overwhelmed within me, verse number 2, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Why did he call him the rock? Well, I think, I think there's two reasons. One is because that's the, the image that, cry, that David's trying to convey. A drowning man. At that time, nobody was going to throw him a life preserver. At that time, nobody was going to come paddling up on a life raft. In David's day, the only hope that a drowning man had was to get to an anchor point, to get to a rock, to get to the shore. And he calls the Savior the rock that is higher than I. That word rock evokes some things, doesn't it? When we think of a rock, there's some things that come into our mind immediately that we begin to think about. I want you to notice the first thing he talks about is the strength of the Savior. I mean, there's places you could go to in this world where the waters have beat against the cliffs and the rocks ever since God allowed time to begin and the cliffs are still standing. Rocks are seen as a place of stability a place upon which the circumstances can have no avail. I know that the scientists, you know, they think, they're, they think they've got billions of years and hundreds of billions of years to play with. One of these days, bless their hearts, they're going to find out that it's wrong. Amen? 
that that's not the case. I know they like to tell us that the Grand Canyon was formed over billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of years. The only problem is there ain't been billions and billions and billions and billions of years. I understand that water over time can erode in a natural sense of rock. But most of the time, uh, the water has to go at such a steady course to do that. Most of the time, the rock outlasts the water. Isn't that true? And can I say that we've got to have something stronger than our circumstances to cling to. We've got to have something stronger than our circumstances. Can I just share this with you? Your circumstances will probably change tomorrow, and if not tomorrow, the day after. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's going to be the same when your circumstances are good as He is when your circumstances are bad. You need a place of stability and strength. And I don't just mean anything. I mean you need the Savior. That's the only help you've got. Some of you say, Preacher, it's, it's a Sunday night. It's church folks here. You know most of us. At, at least I hope most of you. I hope all of you. You know that we're saved. You know that. I mean, we've already got the say. Yeah, I understand that. David knew the Lord too. But he still says, I've got to make a conscious decision to reach for the rock. And you know, that's what you've got to do when you start to feel overwhelmed. You've got to make your mind up that you're going to reach out to the Lord. Whether it means reaching for your Bible whether it means reaching for the prayer closet, whether it means reaching for someone to give you some encouragement, you've got to make up your mind that you're going to reach out for the rock that's higher than you. That's the only hope and help that you've got. We see the strength, I think, that's, that's evoked. But then I think we see the stature of the rock. What does he say? Not just any rock. He says the rock that is higher than I. You know, there's two things the Lord pressed on my heart whenever I read this. One was this. Usually, if you've got a rock elevated out of the water, it's probably in the water too. Let me say it's an encouragement to know the rock's in the water where we're at. Wouldn't be much help if it wasn't down where David was at, would it? Wouldn't be much help to it if it wasn't within arm's reach where he could get to it. And let me say it's a great encouragement to know that the rock's in the water with us. I mean, he's going through what we're going through. We talked about this last week uh, when, we, when we preached on Hebrews chapter 4. It's not that he was not touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but the Bible says that we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. In other words, the Lord still has, He still feels what we feel. When we cry out to Him, I mean, His heart, that everlasting heart still feels the pain that we feel. No matter what you're going through, it's not just that He's been through it, it's that He's still going through it with you. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. It's a blessed truth that He's been through. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, but listen, it's just equally as blessed of a truth to understand that He's going through it with us. Nothing you go through but what the Lord will hold your hand through every step of the way. Nothing that you go to. God won't put you through anything. He won't go through with you. So it's, it's a great help that it's within reach. But let me say this. A rock that's within reach wouldn't be much help if it wasn't higher than the waters. I mean, it's a blessing that it's in the waters with us, but it's equally a blessing that it's out of the waters above us. And we need to understand that that the rock that we cling to, he's in the waters with us, but there's a part of him that's above the waters that we can climb to. You remember what Paul said in, in the book of Ephesians? He said that we're seated together with him in heavenly places. That tells me that not only am I here, but I'm there. I'm not only here, but I'm there. So you know that in a sense, I kind of have a choice which one I want to be. Do I want to be the one down here or do I want to be the one up there? 
I understand that we're always going I mean, as long as we're in this flesh and, and in this body, we're going to live within this. I understand that we're going to live in this world. But also understand, too, that there's a place that's higher than this world that we can flee to. There's a place in the presence of God that we can go to to get strength and to get help. Understand that He is high above our circumstances as well as deep within them with us. I mean, listen, this is the God of all creation. You think He's worried? Let me rephrase this. He cares about our problems. But do you think that our problems worry Him? He's the God of all creation. I mean, this is the God that spoke and flung everything into existence. You think He can't tackle your finances? (laughs) You think He can't tackle your marriage problems? You think He can't tackle your health problems? You understand that that the only kinds of people that God don't heal is the ones who it's not His will to heal. I mean, if if you go to the Lord and ask Him for healing and He don't heal you, it's because He's got something better for you in the sickness than He could give you in the hell. It's It's not beyond His ability to do that. It doesn't even strain His ability to do that. His arm is not shortened. I mean, He can do anything that He wants to do. And we need to understand that it... that. His high place of wisdom and righteousness and holiness, we need that in the midst of these choppy waters in this life that we live in. So we see the psalmist's focus. But I want you to notice the psalmist's fortification. So here you are and you're overwhelmed. What are you going to do about that? Well, the first thing you have to do is keep your focus where your focus ought to be. Don't look into yourself. You know, one quick way you can drown is by looking down into the waters. You've got to keep your head up. You've got to keep looking to that, that place that's higher than you're at. But how do you gain fortification? It's not enough for a drowning man to see a place of refuge. He's got to get there. And David switches gears with what he's talking about. He moves beyond the imagery, and he begins to talk about how he can get help from the Lord in the midst of these overwhelming times. Look with me at verse number 3. He says, For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. The first thing that the psalmist does is remember. He remembers some things. In fact, it's so important to remember him that, he ha- that God has him pin these things down so that we can see his example of remembrance. You know, one of the best things you can do when you start to get overwhelmed is just start to remember the things that the Lord's done for you. Just start to remember the things that He's done for you. You remember that time. You remember that time when you had more month than you had paycheck and the Lord came through. You remember that time. And if you don't remember it, just come see me. I'll give you, I'll give you a list as long as my arm of people that were in dire physical situations that God answered and healed them. Now, I don't say that to say that everybody's going to be healed. I say that to say that God's able to heal. Just take a few moments and remember. Remember what it was like those times when you, when you feared for your life or for your children's life or for your spouse's life and God came through and was a strong tower for you and a place of refuge. In fact, there's two things he sort of talks about. He says, for thou hast been a shelter for me. You, you, you know what the idea of, of being a shelter for me. He's saying that there's some things that wanted to get to me that couldn't get to me. That's what a shelter is, isn't it? When you seek shelter, there's some things that wanted to get to me, but couldn't get to me. You know, it amazes us, and I, I, I guess we'll care, I don't know, but one of these days, when we get to heaven, it would amaze us to find out the things that, that almost happened in our life. 
Things that just almost happened. It would amaze you sometimes to find out things that, that folks just almost wanted to, wanted to do to you and, and, and to see happen in your life. You say, what happened? God was a shelter for you. Listen, I think most of the things that God's done for us, we don't even know about. Most of the things that God's done for us, we don't even know about. He's been a shelter for us. And when we got under the shelter of His wings, there were things above Him or above His wings, things outside of our line of vision that would have destroyed us. But God kept them from us. Then there's a second category, things that did get to you, but He kept from destroying you. He says, in a strong tower from the enemy. That's what a strong tower is, isn't it? When the enemy has assailed you. And by the way, the, the, the picture here is siege warfare. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in a tower. You'd be on a battlefield. But times when the enemy was too strong for you, you could run to him. You know, that the, the psalmist also said that the Lord's name is a high tower. And, and they run into it and are safe. And there's times when the enemy assailed us. Times when it seemed like all hell set itself against us. But the Lord kept us and preserved us. It'd do you well to remember those things when you start to get overwhelmed. You say, oh, preacher, you're being judged. No, I'm not being judgmental. I'm right there with you. When I get overwhelmed, I need to remember these things. I need to keep them at the forefront of my mind. Because I'm going to tell you something. You know the only thing that a drowning man can think about is drowning. It's the only thing you can think about. When you start to get overwhelmed, man, the only thing you can think about is how overwhelmed you are. Something has to draw your focus away from your circumstances. The psalmist says, I'm going to remember. But then finally we see the psalmist says, I'm going to resolve about some things. He says, there's some things I'm going to make up my mind about. Some things that I'm going to purpose in my heart. Look what it says in verse number 4. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. The first thing he resolves to do is to stay true. He says, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I said a moment ago that one of the worst things that you can do and one of the things that people want to do whenever they're drowning is they want to quit. I've seen it time and time again, man. People that things get tough and all of a sudden they're gone. They're AWOL. There's people, listen to me, there's people ought to be here tonight. But they got overwhelmed. I'm not being judgmental. It could be me, but by the grace and help of God. But I'm just merely saying there's folks that could and should be here tonight. But they got overwhelmed and they quit. They quit swimming. They quit trying. you got a purpose in your heart to stay true. The worst thing you can do when you start to drown is give up. You've got to keep going until help comes. You've got to keep going until, until a time of refreshing comes. Until somebody comes along that can help you and strengthen you. I know it's not easy. I know you want to give up. I know you want to give in. I understand that. But you can't give up. Because that's when you drown. He resolves to stay true. And that man, that happens to people all the time. Things start going bad in their life. They forsake the prayer closet. They forsake their Bible. They forsake church. Let me tell you something. You forsake your Bible, your prayer closet, and church, and there ain't no place for you to get help. I mean, just shy of God running you into a brick wall, there's no place for Him to get your attention. Let me say that it's a lot easier for God to get your attention in a church service than it is in a hospital room. There's no place for Him to get your attention. You, you give up your Bible, your prayer closet in church. And by the way, it's not one of the three either. We need all three. We need all three. 
It's easy to give up. We want to give up. But David says, I don't care what happens. He said, I will abide in thy holy tabernacle. He says, nothing's going to run me away from the presence of God. Nothing's going to run me away from fellowship with the Lord. We've got to make up our minds to stay true no matter what happens. And it's simple. Me and Miss Vicky were talking yesterday after the, the ladies' meeting. And it, yeah, I go to ladies' meeting. Amen. But we're talking after the ladies' meeting. And, 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 you know, the Christian life, it's not easy, but it is simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. It is simple. Stay in the Word of God. Keep talking to Him. Keep praying to Him. Stay in church. Keep witnessing. And maintain a good testimony. Be good to one another. I mean, this isn't a complicated... I know it's not easy because our flesh won't let it be easy. But it is a simple thing. It is a simple thing. Almost as simple as just keeping on swimming. The problem is we want somebody to come along and write a new book that's going to give us some big piece of revelation about, uh, about I mean, the key to fix everything. It's amazing how many, how many snake oil salesmen's coffers have been filled by Christians that knew the right thing but just didn't want to do the right thing. They knew what to do, but they didn't like the answer. They knew it was just a matter of resolving to stay faithful to the Lord, but they didn't want to do that. So they go out for the next uh, guy with a, with a big old cheesy smile and, and pretty hair and, and buy his book and read it, and nothing changes. You know why? Because it's a simple thing, but there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. You've got to make up your mind that no matter what happens, to the best of your ability, you're going to stay true. But then notice finally to stay trusting. He says, I'll trust in the covert of thy wings, say law. We've got to stay true, but we've got to stay trusting. We've got to make up our minds that no matter what happens, we're going to trust God. We're going to put our faith in Him. No matter what happens, we're going to continue to put our confidence in Him. You know, it's an amazing thing. We're, we're awful self-centered sometimes. You know that? I am, you are. God ain't never made a mistake, but we think for some reason He's going to start with us. That don't make any sense now, does it? God's got a perfect track record. He's going to mess it up just because you've got more bills than you thought you'd have or just because you've got your, your, your health isn't as good as you hoped it'd be. God's got a perfect track record, but He's going to mess it up just because you weren't expecting the trouble that came along your way. Listen, He's not going to mess up. He's going to be faithful. Gee, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ, He's a man of His Word. He keeps His Word. keeps His promises. And you know what he said? He said, of all those that the Lord hath given me, that my Father hath given me, he said, I've lost none. He's not going to start with you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't say, I'll never leave you or forsake you unless your name's Toby Weber. Now, I'm glad he didn't say that. Listen, you got those promises just like I've got those promises. Just like that person that looks like they got everything together who might be drowning. <laughs> just like them, just like they've got the promises, you've got the promises of God. And we need to trust in those promises. We need to trust in Him. We need to determine above and beyond all things, no matter what happens, Lord, I'm going to trust You with my life. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know I can trust God with it. I know I can trust Him. He's been there. He's been through it. He's the Master. He's the Creator of it. I can trust God with my life. Not just I should. Listen carefully. I, I know I'm a broken record, but I, but I want to mind the Holy Ghost. And some of you ain't getting it or else He'd just let me close. Amen? Not just I should trust God with my life. I can trust God with my life. I can. He's going to do the right thing. The judge of all the earth, He'll do right. I don't care what you're going through. You can trust Him. 
He's not out to get you. You can trust Him. He's not going to make a mistake. You can trust Him. It's okay to trust the Lord. I know that everything within us and everything without us wants us to believe that we can't trust God. But if you want, and we always want to talk about what's logical. Let me tell you something. It's logical to trust God. He's never made a mistake. We trust lots of folks that we really shouldn't trust. And yet we don't want to trust Him who we can always trust. He'll do the right thing. You can trust Him with your life. You can trust Him with your day-to-day. Their heads bowed with their eyes closed. As a musician slips to the piano, listen, the altar's open tonight. And I don't want anyone to be too prideful to come to the altar if the Lord's helped you tonight or if the Lord wants to talk to you. Uh, that's, That's a good way to drown. If God's touched your heart about something, and by the way, you won't be the only one, I promise you. You may be the only one that comes. Maybe nobody will come. But I promise you, there's been a few that God's helped tonight and touched their hearts. There's been a few that felt like the waters were going over their heads. And God's given them some help. If she begins to play, would you come down and get some of that help from the Lord? Would you come down and meet with Him and ask Him to give you strength? See, a drowning man won't be saved unless he reaches out to the rock. You've got a choice right now. We're going to pray And I want you to come. Will you reach out to the rock that's higher than you? 